Welcome back to Notice That, an EMDR podcast where two licensed professional counselors and approved EMDR consultants discuss the latest research and resources for trauma treatment and EMDR therapy. Welcome back to Notice That, an EMDR podcast. Sometimes I wonder how many times in my life I've said that now. (laughs) A lot. We could probably count, really. (laughs) Probably. Well, if we count all the false starts in our life, then it's going to be way more than our episodes because that happened a lot. (laughs) Or how many times on a different podcast we accidentally said that. that. Yeah, 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 Mm -hmm. it's a lot. Uh, So, welcome back, guys. We are here today to talk about one of the most foundational principles of EMDR, which is AIP adaptive information and processing. But before we get to that, we're going to talk about consultation because this is an area that uh, we finally have help. (laughs) I'm very excited because this means that we can do more of it. Um, The amount of consultation that, you know, we've been doing is one of the areas of our practice that has just been like growing so quickly that it's a little like overwhelming and hard to keep up with, but we finally have a solution to that. And so Jen, would you like to share the solution? Cause it's really exciting. Yes. We have had a couple of um, consultants in training Mm -hmm. join our team and they are kind of nearing the end of that process really. Like they're they're like mid to uh, three quarters Mm -hmm. of the way through, which means you guys might be hearing our neighbor dog again. We mentioned this on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Did I tell you that he got in my car the other day? On? In. Oh, in. Yeah, he just hopped right in. He's friendly. <laughs> Doesn't sound friendly. I don't know if you're hearing the barking, but... We do. It's there. Um, yes, so there are, they're pretty far into their program of becoming full consultants on their own. And what we've been able to do with them as consultants in training is work really closely with them in offering the consultation that we do while also partnering and so being a part of some of those group consultation calls being a part of some of the individual but then they're able to do some independently Mm -hmm. and what the feedback that we've gotten from our consultees is that it's nice to have multiple perspectives yeah to hear from different professionals who have you know varying experience Mm -hmm. one of the consultants in training right now she specializes in eating disorders that's an area that neither melissa or i do specialize in so we have her added expertise in that Um, so that's just been really neat to add in more experience more background Mm -hmm. while also being able to say we could take on more groups yes because we're not having to do all of it ourselves. Right, right. So as that continues happening and growing, we have a few other people that are interested in starting um, the process of becoming a consultant with mm-hmm. us. So as we're exploring that, we are looking at opening um, another group or possibly a couple of groups. <laughs> Jen's giving me the side eye because I'm always the one saying, oh my God, how can we do more? Yeah. opening those up towards late fall um, mid to late fall and so that is approaching fairly soon Mm -hmm. so if you're interested in getting the information on the cost and the timeline and what all that entails shoot us an email at um, actually you could just email me directly at jen.savage at beyondhealingcenter.com and Angela or I Angela is our coordinator for consultation now we work very closely in that so either her or i will get back to you via email set up an initial consultation call where we talk through all of the details 
um, so you know what to expect and then can kind of decide if that feels like a good fit for you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the fun things about consultation is uh, really just like watching people's confidence grow. Um, You know, I don't know what it was like for you, Jen, but for me, the certification process um, and just ongoing consultation, it's what made the difference between me feeling like, okay, I think I know what I'm doing, to, oh, I know what I'm doing. And I feel, you know, confident and prepared to use EMDR with a much um, broader variety of presentations and to really kind of expand, um, yeah, just what I felt comfortable tackling with my clients and understanding the why behind the what, um, so that I could explain it to clients and to, uh, you know, other professionals and really kind of be an advocate for EMDR in our community as a whole. Um, so both certification and consultation, uh, really, really equips us to do that, mm-hmm. um, and to do it more professionally and confidently. The other thing is that we get a lot of feedback about is just how wonderful it is to have uh, collaboration and communication with other like-minded professionals, especially right now because we're all experiencing extra isolation and disconnection. Um, And so, you know, even when it's virtual, we're still having, you know, really meaningful personal connection and developing real relationships. And one of the uh, kind of Uh, things that we value here at BHC and really, really focus on is that once you're connected with us, you know, through consultation or certification, like you're part of the fam, right? (laughs) Like we, uh, we really cultivate uh, relationships and focus on that because we want everybody to feel very connected um, and believe that that's what helps us be the best therapist that we can be, but also provide so much support and healing for us as we do the hard work that we do. So we would love to connect with you through consultation and uh, having help means that we can connect with even more people. Um, So please reach out and get information for that. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about AIP, which feels like a super basic thing that we all learned about in basic training, Mm -hmm. except a lot of us forget because it's so basic. (laughs) So we're revisiting it. We're kind of circling all the way back around and going, wait a second, what was AIP again? I know that it's important and that I heard about it and that Francine wrote about it. uh, But what is super salient about it for our daily practice. Well, I think even, you know, what we learn about it in basic training, at least this is my experience in my own training, and then as a trainer, is kind of the first just like flyby of it. Mm-hmm. And since, Melissa, since we've really in our business started digging into the neurobiology of everything mm-hmm. and understanding um, more in depth of like, what does it actually really mean? Right. I'm hoping that this episode can be expanding upon just the simple concept of adaptive information processing and understanding it more neurobiologically of what is occurring Mm -hmm. um, that makes this such a critical part of EMDR reprocessing and that entire approach. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So in that, I guess, let's start with kind of just exploring what is talked about at the basic training. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty basic right like we the just past get into. dictates your present mm-hmm. that's basically it <laughs> I mean, there's then, a little more than that but and that really this is what this is the theory that emdr is built upon yeah right so it is those past life experiences it is a direct result of how those got processed in your system mm-hmm. as to what symptoms are going to manifest or maybe not manifest right. later mm-hmm. and so if there is a symptom 
EMDR comes in to say, as a result of AIP's theory, if you have a symptom, then that means there is something that was not fully processed in your past. Right. Well, and one of the things that I think, uh, you know, the basic training alludes to, but doesn't really spend a lot of time unpacking is the reality of the information processing system in a human's nervous system. And the way that we process sensory information and affect information, um, so, you know, to nuance that a little bit, information and stimuli that's coming both from without and from within, right? Because both are relevant to us as an organism. Um, We have to process and digest all of that. Mm -hmm. And the way that our bodies and our nervous systems learn to process and digest and store and file and filter and edit and remember and forget all of those bits of information make up our information processing system. And in EMDR, we're directly engaging with that information processing system. And so not only does the past uh, reveal why we're having the symptoms that we're having in the present, but it also is the, the place that we go to understand why is this particular human processing their world and their life the way that they are. So it's not just about the symptom. It's also about the good stuff, mm-hmm. and it's about the personality. It's about the whole human being sitting in front of us, and it's the interaction between genetic potential and environmental shaping. It is always both, and they're always in communication with each other. Um, you know, our genetic material is the raw ingredients, and then our environment shapes it and takes all those ingredients and creates an organism out of it. Um, and so both of those processes are incredibly relevant when we're understanding the whole human being and is at the the foundation of what adaptive information processing is all about. It's about directly interacting with the information processing system and understanding that we're working with the basic genetic material um, of what could potentially be expressed along with the environmental and experiential shaping that decided how that genetic material was going to be expressed in that organism. I just have to say, I just got super excited about the direction you took this. Yay! (laughs) I'm really excited. That's just where my brain goes when I think about information processing. And I I love, as you were talking, I was thinking about how at a, you know, at a training or as we describe AIP to a client in a session, Mm -hmm. we'll oftentimes say like your system, your body is designed and created in a way to break down and process and digest information a certain way. And then it gets, you know, whatever is needed to be held on to, whatever nutrition is in that thing is digesting and it releases the rest. So it sets up this idea that every human has a system, an adaptive information processing system to break this down. But Melissa, where you're taking this is that that system is built and created through experience. That's right. It is experientially dependent. Mm-hmm. So if in early life experiences, when those those systems are so actively being developed and shaped, trauma is a part of those experiences, right. then the system itself gets de- developed in a faulty way, mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. a maladaptive way. Right. And this would be why... Um, when you're working with a client who, let's say you specialize in sexual abuse trauma, you could maybe have worked with 10 clients who are able to process and clear a target on sexual abuse. And then you meet a client who says, no matter how much processing we're doing, all I get are maladaptive thoughts, Mm -hmm. maladaptive feelings, maladaptive Mm -hmm. somatic experiences. Mm -hmm. 
that's because the trauma that is within their early childhood experiences that shaped their processing system to not be able to make sense of and process this information in an adaptive way. That's right. Well, and I think that, you know, one of the, um, the nuances to AIP that often gets missed is the invitation and the need to contextualize our clients on multiple levels and layers. So that's a really broad and big statement, so let me say what I actually mean. <laughs> um, so when, when a human being is sitting in front of you, we need to contextualize um, several layers in and then several layers out. Okay, so I'm gonna add even more layers of nuance to this. So if we think about human beings sitting in front of me, and then I'm gonna contextualize in. My contextualizing in means that I have to remember that this human being is a mammal, and mammals have certain priorities and needs. They have a high need for homeostasis. They have a need for things like rest, and nutrition, and connection, and touch and medical needs, etc. So we contextualize in and remember what does it mean to be a human being all the way down to the cellular level of, oh yeah, there's genetic material in there. And that is the raw ingredients that are being expressed without. Um, and so remembering to go layers into the organism sitting in front of us to give us a really deep understanding of how this person is processing everything that they are experiencing. And then we do the same thing layers without. So this human being is part of systems, right? They are part of families. They are part of cultures. They're part of institutions. They were part of an educational system. They might've been part of a soccer team, right? They were part of a choir. We contextualize them within the context of their lived experience on this broader scale because information processing systems are not built by an individual. They're built by these systems. So we have a cultural way of processing information. What do we consider relevant? irrelevant? What do we consider the right ways of processing things? What emotions are allowed? What emotions are not allowed? <laughs> what types of self-expression are allowed and not allowed, etc.? All of that is contextualizing and is incredibly relevant for understanding how does this individual process their life and make meaning out of their lived experience because that is always what we're working with whenever we're processing any kind of trauma or when we're looking for potential resources to install. We have to contextualize both within and without. And the very first system that is going to be influencing that development is the family system yes. right around them. Yeah. And then not to take this too too deep, but... Well, I already did, so right. go right ahead. I'm with you. I'm following you right into it. The family system yes. was shaped and developed by all of their exposure right. systems. So maybe the system of culture influenced how the family determines how to respond to this baby. Yes. And that then shapes, what is appropriate parenting? Yes. Right. Is spanking allowed, not allowed? the development yeah. mm -hmm. of the system in that child. Mm -hmm. So it is when we start looking at things that are passed down generationally, mm -hmm. this is our information processing systems are directly influenced by our life experiences, but also the life experiences of the generations before that's right us. that's right and you know this is something that we have certainly talked about before but i think bears repeating here is that um, more and more we're understanding the direct uh 
interaction and intra action, um, the within and without the organism's uh, interactions between our DNA and our lived experience, Mm -hmm. that they are always in communication with each other, influencing each other back and forth. Think of a tennis match, right? Like a tennis match is only occurring if there's two people or four people and it's going back and forth. You can't play tennis by yourself. It's an impossibility. Experience cannot be processed without genetic material to interact with and vice versa. So that constant communication is where AIP lives, right? AIP is not just a theory. It doesn't really mean much to us if we just interact with it as a theory, but when we embed it into a human body and then into the systems that human bodies live in every day, suddenly it comes alive in a really useful way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think the way that we're talking about AIP here is so different than what we yes. talk about in a basic training. <laughs> That's true. Because we don't have time. <laughs> yes. But this is more in alignment with how we conceptualize a case yeah. through AIP. Mm-hmm. So how did this individual develop their system of processing information get shaped and developed in the way that it is? Yes. Um, and what is influencing that? Where in a you know basic training we talk about AIP in terms of how do we know, like, okay, this is a trauma that presents as this symptom, therefore mm-hmm. we need to reprocess and clear that mm-hmm. so that then it can, you know, alleviate the symptom or the presentation. Yeah. Both are significant, both are important, but when we really, as you guys know, Melissa and I and Bridger are really, really emphasized case conceptualization. Yeah, it's a big deal to us. Everything yeah. we do. <laughs> so as we look at AIP through that lens and try to, to, try to break it down, all of this becomes very, very relevant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that uh, one of the really meaningful parts of AIP for me is, you know, going back to that basic training, one of the things that I remember doodling in the margins of my notes in my very first basic training for EMDR, weekend one, you know, we were doing the weekend thing back then, um, and she said, um, whenever in doubt, go back to AIP. It's your safe base. And at the time, I remember feeling kind of confused by that. Um, But as I sort of got into it and started to feel what it feels like to be in the process of EMDR with someone, I understood what that really meant. And what it meant is when something is happening right here, right now, always be thinking about where did it come from, right? Follow the breadcrumbs into the past, They're always there. And if the client is telling you they don't know, that just means they don't know explicitly and cognitively. But don't, uh, yeah, don't fall for this idea that anything happens in isolation to a human being that's just not real. And as a therapist, that's super supportive because if we can find the trail of breadcrumbs, we can find the root. And when we find the root, that is where our work lies. And, And that's what my trader meant when she said, AIP is your safe pace a safe base, always go back there because that is what helps us, um, get on the track that we need to be on and be checking in with our work with our clients and making sure that we're actually working on what is going to be the most relevant to them rather than kind of doing whack-a-mole EMDR where we're just picking random things for the heck of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we would venture to say that, I mean, that even means if they're showing up with blocks or treatment resistant presentations or they're chronically late to session or you know one week they love you and one week they hate you like every single presentation 
every mannerism, every mm-hmm. expression of emotion, yep. all goes back to those were created through their experiences, right. experience dependent. And so as we stay curious to what did that go back from, it's not to say that all of it's problematic, mm-hmm. but it's to say their past is what shaped who they show mm-hmm. up as in the present which then also shapes what they begin to anticipate and predict of the future. Right, right. So AIP covering past, present, future. Past experiences shape who we are in the present and also dictate and and help us anticipate what to expect out of the future. Yeah, yeah. I think um, there were a couple of other analogies that I remember from my basic training that I kind of internally referenced a lot. And one was, she said, um, remember that the present becomes our past. And if the past is always informing the present, then that means that this present moment is how we influence the future. Mm -hmm. If we're working in the here and now, and that's going to become the past that our future self is always referencing, right? Then the new experiences that we're creating with our client right here in the present moment becomes the past that their system will be referencing in the future. And that's what future templating is actually about. Right? It's about installing experiences here in this present moment that my future self can reference and build upon in the same way that when we're extracting things out of our past that were problematic, I can influence my present self. And so really conceptualizing the work we do on the whole timeline is part of uh, the foundation of AIP. The other thing that she shared that was really useful was this concept of um, when somebody comes into the ER and has a broken bone, it's really easy to go, oh, well, how'd you break your bone? Skiing accident. Okay, we'll put a cast on it and, you know, maybe don't go skiing again or be more careful next time. But there are layers of nuance underneath that that are potentially way more important than I broke my bone, such as, well, why was there uh, calcium deficiency early in life, right? There's always this, another question that we can ask that is going to get us to the root of something. But sometimes we get so distracted by the obvious thing on the surface that we forget to ask the next question. We forget to dig a little bit deeper. And AIP is the part of EMDR that says, always remember to ask that next question, to mm-hmm. dig a little bit deeper and and look for the roots and find uh, that breadcrumb trail to follow because it's always there. Mm-hmm. The more you talk about your basic training, I like your trainer. Do you remember who it is? Uh, Not to put you on the spot or anything. Her last name was Erbo. She was wonderful. Nancy. Yeah. Nancy Erbo. Yeah. This was a long time ago, obviously. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if she's still training, but those were like, and uh, I remember it because I'm right-brained and I uh, do little things in the left margin of my yellow notepad. (laughs) That's how visual I am. impressive. (laughs) I don't remember much else, but I remember what I doodled. (laughs) I may be repeating this for my sake, but I'm going to say it's for the listeners. Okay. So the present will always become the past. Yes. Which will then influence how they're anticipating the future. Yes. So everything we're doing in the present with them, which means the relationship that we're in presently with them, Mm -hmm. becomes their past. It becomes a stored memory network. That's right. And the more we lean into that, bring explicit attention to that, resource that, install it with bilateral, it becomes a memory network of the past that they will call upon Mm -hmm. as they begin to determine how do I show up right now? Mm -hmm. How do I expect what's to come? How do I navigate these relationships? Yes. Yeah. And that, to me, always felt so encouraging and supportive 
to really let this specific moment in time matter because it's the only place that we can actually work. Mm. Um, like this, this moment is all we have and not to get, you know, too Zen about it, although I do all the time, um, that mindfulness practice in our work with our clients orients them to know how to work with themselves in the present moment as well. And, uh, AIP is a very, very present focused theory that gives honor to both past and future, uh, which is a remarkably healthy way to live. Remember where you came from, think about where you're going, but live right here where you are. And that is what AIP tells us to do with our clients. And I don't think it's a bad way to live in general. Mm-hmm. Sounds lovely. I need to work on that a bit more. <laughs> Don't we all? I think that's the reason why it's a mantra for so many of us, because we're working on it. Mm-hmm. I've had someone, uh, I don't even remember who this was, but I've used it several times since then of when we're stuck living in the past, mm-hmm. a lot of times it's symptoms showing up as depression mm-hmm. and we get stuck in the future. It's anxiety, anxiety. Yeah. but it's when we're here in the present yep. that we can find that balance yep. and calm and peace. Yep. Yeah. This moment is the only one we have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, that's a really nice. <laughs> I'm like, maybe we should just end there because that feels good. Do we have more to say? I don't know. Oh, uh, sure, we <laughs> always have more to say, but more just in summary. There was one um, metaphor, I think, gosh, on one of our very earliest episodes. I don't even know what number it would be, but we did a description of EMDR therapy. Mm -hmm. And I think we kind of talked in like client friendly terminology of what AIP is. And so I would encourage you to like reference that back. Mm -hmm. I don't, it was way, way, way at the beginning. Yeah. We'll put it in the show notes, whatever episode number that was, where we did a demo of how to talk to a client. Yes. We did that. We used like metaphor of the -hmm. the digestive system to explain it, um, or the garden metaphor, like all of these different metaphors to explain it. But um, knowing that the way that we're talking on here today isn't necessarily how we present it to clients. Right. It could be, it could, but that it depends on your client. Overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But just trying to make sense of the significance and impact of really understanding what AIP is. So there's all of the pieces of our memories are stored state dependent, mm-hmm. right? So when that memory gets stored, it's stored with the emotions, it's stored with the body sensations, it's stored with the sound, the images, you know, the, any of the feelings that come up with that. Therefore, that when a, a experience later in life happens, it's similar enough, it will recall that memory in its state-dependent form. It will bring it back. So here comes the body sensations that it was stored with, the emotions that it was stored with. So that the goal in EMDR processing is not to obviously erase any memories or get rid of, but it's to find a storage what form do we want this stored in so that when it gets recalled back, because it will, that's how life functions, that it can show up in a state-dependent way that is not so maladaptive, mm-hmm. dysregulating, um, dysfunctional for you. It can be recalled back with images, beliefs, emotions, and body sensations that feel adaptive to you. Mm-hmm. So it's not just moving towards, we're not erasing memories and we're not trying to tell a client that a traumatic memory, you know, is just fine now, but we're finding a form in which it could be stored within the system that is safe to the system. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Any other thoughts on this? I mean, I have plenty of thoughts, but I think it would probably spin us out in all kinds of fun directions. (laughs) Yes. Uh Okay, well, as we kind of wrap up here today, 
um, I want to circle back to our training calendar and what trainings we have coming up. We have um, our case conceptualization training model, our case conceptualization model training. <laughs> coming up very soon and that is somatic integration and processing we have some earlier episodes out on the podcast where um, we dive really in depth of what does that mean melissa's got some demonstrations on our patreon account Mm -hmm. where you can actually see us practicing through that model or see melissa practicing through that so if that is something that you're interested in you've probably heard us talk several times on here about we have a live training um, coming in tulsa the october 7th through the 9th and that will also be offered as a virtual training or you can join us on zoom while we are at the live training and be a participant that way we'll have at least one more before the end of the year i think the dates are set i don't have them in my head now but you can find them on our website or email us at training at beyondhealingcenter.com The other thing just to mention is we have SIP1, so that somatic integration and processing um, training one, and then also training two. Mm -hmm. So it is um, even more in-depth, a lot more information, um, incredible content. We've spent a lot of hours of time putting this together and it's really coming (laughs) together nicely. We'll offer that first um, seated training, which would be October 5th Mm -hmm. through the 7th. And um, if you have not taken the first course, you would have to take that before you could take the second one. But we would love if you wanted to join us virtually or in person for the first one and then for a follow-up of the second. Yes. Yeah. So SIP uh, 2 is actually in November. I think you said October on accident. That's okay. <laughs> and I probably did that on the last episode. That's okay. So for the official dates, go to our website. <laughs> that is... Uh, <laughs> You can tell that Jen and I are not always in charge of our own calendars. We just get told where to go, which is kind of nice, but problematic occasionally. Um, But yeah, we have a SIP1 training um, happening uh, in December, and then uh, SIP2 is in November. We also have SIP1 in October. So basically, we have a whole bunch coming up. So if you look at our website... Uh, you'll hopefully be able to find one that works for your schedule. Um, we also have a EMDR basic training scheduled for next March, and we have several people that are waiting for that. So if you have any colleagues that are looking for a basic training, that's coming up as well. So um, for any information, for any questions regarding trainings, you can always email us at training at beyondhealingcenter.com or go to our website at beyondhealingcenter.com. Yes, thank you guys so much for joining us, and we'll talk again soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Notice That, an EMDR podcast. We hope something you've heard today will help you help your clients. Find our latest episode and more on our Facebook page or on our website, emdr-podcast.com. And don't forget to add us to your RSS feed or follow us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher so that you don't miss an episode. Please email questions and comments to noticethat at emdr-podcast.com. From all of us here at Notice That, see you next time.